Yeah. Mommy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mommy. <laughs> Struggle. Sounds out. funny when you say that. Yeah. Oh, they all begin with S. No, they don't. Mommy does not begin with S. <laughs> 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 Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of Picky Bastards. It's the podcast where three music-loving bastards mostly complain about music they don't (laughs) like, which feels counterproductive when you think about it. Um, Each month we listen to four new releases, one classic album, and one of us takes us through an artist that they love. Um, I'm Sam, and I'm joined by Fran and Matt, as always. How are you both? I'm good, Sam. Hi, Sam. At least we all know what music we don't like by doing this podcast. Though. Oh, That's yeah. Yeah. It does help. Um, this month's playlist includes new releases by No Name, Sundial, Be Your Own Pet with Mommy, Genesis Awuzu with Struggler, Art School Girlfriend with Soft Landing, and the classic is Missy Elliott Under Construction. And I will be telling you why I love Chris Stapleton. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. First up, um, Fran, which album felt the most musically cohesive to you? Yeah, so so my answer for this one is undoubtedly Soft Landing by Art School Girlfriend. Um, I think one thing this podcast has taught me is that a lot of albums in reality are just a collection of songs thrown together in a random order. Um, but this is one of those rare albums where you can immediately feel that a lot of thoughts got into the track list and the transitions between the songs. I think the album builds really well throughout and there's lots of moments of emotional release. Um, and I think the songs sort of weave effortlessly into one another. Um, and some might see that, listen to it and think it's samey because of that. But I think the word cohesive is a really good word to describe it. Um, I think it feels like these songs were written within the same few days and that the writer's uh, head was in the same place while writing them. And I think it feels a bit like a live set, actually. And I said this about the previous album. I think um, it has all the sort of momentum and and light and shade of a really good live show. Um, And I think that's added to by the feeling that this album's quite a bit... It's got a dancier sound than the first album. I think she's done a really good job of sort of keeping the bedroom pop influence clear, but embracing a more club music sound at the same time. Um, I think the one thing about the cohesiveness in a way means that it's quite hard to consider it as individual songs. I think you have to listen to it as a set of songs. Um, So I think in in a way it's hard to pick out highlights. But if you were going to force me, I'd probably say Waves and Laugh My Head Off are my favourite two songs. Um, Yeah, and I actually revisited my review of a debut album this morning just to see what I'd said about it. And, And I made a lot of comparisons to The XX and Daughter in that one. Um, and I think you can still feel those influences, but I think this album feels like she's moved more into her own space. Um, it's a bit more unique, a bit more, um, yeah, a bit less derivative, not to say that one was hugely derivative, but yeah, while I was listening, while I was thinking of those influences, um, this is a bit of a tangent, but I actually wish this was the kind of album that Romy from the XX had put out rather than where she has gone. I think. You know, it's got a bit more of that, um, what the XX, the darkness that they had to a degree. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this album. Um, I think it's an exciting step for her career and it's nice to see her evolve a bit. I mean, I probably do slightly prefer the previous album, but in general, I was a big fan of this year. Cool. To go. Um, 
Yeah, you go. You jump in, Matt. Yeah, well, first off, Fran is wrong about the Romy album. <laughs> I know it's not relevant to this. He just doesn't like people being happy and celebrating yeah. joy, you know, the usual. Oh, yeah, it's so um, happy. But I agree a lot about what he said about this album. Like, the XX is obvious comparison, and they're on a, I'd say, this similar trajectory, right? Moving slightly more electronic gradually mm. over time. Um, and I think it hits a lot of the kind of positives that I like about this kind of music. Um, it has those dichotomies of like both being massive sounding, but very intimate and it kind of drifts effortlessly, but it also manages to keep you very engaged despite this kind of drifting nature to it. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the space that's given to the vocals and then it's kind of like give and take the vocals uh, are given a lot of space and then a lot of space is given to the, the music itself and it all just has this kind of natural like um structure to it that feels very patient um i do think that you said i think that there it's a lot of music like this has uh, a danger of becoming a little uh, mm. repetitive i do think it errs a little bit towards that i would say um there's only so many songs about like nature and kind of wide spaces <laughs> and stuff like that. It feels like it goes very hand in hand with this kind of music, but like th that's very like root one. And like, mm. she could probably, I think maybe think of something a bit more imaginative to say with it, to accompany the music. Um, but there are like, especially as the album progresses, there are things that you can see structurally they've done to actually in, counteract that like having the uh um the guest feature from uh tony and mm. joku i think that adds an extra dimension and then uh my favorite song is the song near the end heaven heaven hanging low which i think really picks up the tempo and the energy which helps you carry you to the final the, like the album's finale and uh helps you keep that momentum throughout so i i thought it was a really good really good job um and i yeah i I enjoyed the album as well. Nice. Yeah, I am going to be really boring and agree with both of you. Um, but I, I went into this kind of... I wasn't that sold on the last album. Um, I remember you recommended it to me, Fran, um, at the time when it came out. And I, it, just, it just didn't stick with me very long. Um, but I found this was a much more instant album to enjoy um and i found it really immediate um i think the opening few tracks just sort of set the tone for the rest of it to be really dreamy um close to the clouds i found really hooked me really quickly um and i think her vocals just suit this sort of music so well um it really does feel like someone that's found their sound um i i have written down exactly the same thing as both of you that like some may think that this is a bit samey but i i also thought that it really has a, na a, a natural progression through the album and a real kind of swell as it as it goes on um and each of the songs there's, there's a real like flow between them and a real pace to it um that feels like it's like progressing as you as you go through um yeah, I, I for me this was a really big highlight on this playlist, and I wasn't expecting this to be as good as it was. 
Um, so I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, nice. let's let's go to Matt. Uh, which album was the most immediately easy to enjoy? Um, this was actually quite a hard question, I think, because not to give my hand away too much, but I thought there was a lot of, I think a lot of albums on this list that were very immediate that, that you didn't really have to work hard to get into. Um, but for me, it was Be Your Own Pet with Mummy. Mm. Um, and for me, it was really interesting to hear this band come back after a while away um, and it, with a genre that like this punk DIY punk band and the genre is so associated with the youth and like angst, angsty teens and spontaneity, specifically them, which is so, I remember following them and listening to them when they were, they were coming out. I don't know if you guys knew of them at the time, but they were Never read massive. Them. Really? Okay. So they were mm. just like massive enemies pick of um, like the band to follow the band that were tearing it up, the band that could do anything. And to hear them come back as grownups <laughs> mm. and, and they have adult lives and responsibilities and how that would work. I, I found it very like, as a, also a grown up now who's grown up, I'm like probably the same age <laughs> as these guys. Like it, it still feels relevant to me at least. Um, and it still feels like they're making good music and you don't have to, the genre doesn't just have to be about teenage angst because there's also adult angst as well. <laughs> that anxiety that you had before doesn't necessarily go away. <laughs> it just shifts into different topics. Um, and they also managed to keep that, like they have, still have the fuzzed out guitars, the yelling, the songs that kind of whip along. Um, I think a lot of their prior work had this kind of frenetic storytelling and that's still present. Um, and it also just feels very authentic. Um, and I think maybe it, it has even more bite than it used to. I feel like the guitars growl a little bit more and the drums hit a little bit harder than they did before. Um, and then above all, I think the, as I mentioned, like they were enemy, like all over enemy and it feels like they've, the narrative as young people in the world and especially the, the lead singer, the narrative was like taken from them and it was all about her and their angst, angst and the antics they used to get up to. And this feels like a rejection of all that and them doing their thing for themselves. And so I, yeah, this, I just really, really enjoyed this album. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, I, th I think my feelings on this album went very quickly from, uh, this is, this is fun to, uh, like, <laughs> please make it stop. Like quite, <laughs> very quickly. I think it was maybe just going back to the record over and over again to like get a full opinion. I, I kind of just disagree with most of what you're saying I, in the in the sense that I found this quite hollow as like an album and I feel like it's the delivery of the songs. Um mm. I don't know if it's the performance or this just the, the tone of the album just feels so needy and irritating <laughs> at points when when I compare it to other recent kind of kind of punk influence rock albums that we've covered on the podcast recently yeah. and i don't think it i don't think the album helps itself 
by the songs kind of just blending into one kind of just feels like one homogenous track that never ends of just the same thing it's not like objectively bad I, I, I think lyrically it's it's not like it's hugely interesting but it's also not terrible I just felt like there's a bit of a soul lacking for me mm. and I couldn't I found it really difficult to go back to this album repeatedly, um, especially next to the rest of the stuff on this playlist. Yeah. What do you think, Fran? I mean, my, my first point is that I'm just impressed you both found so much to say about this album. Because um, <laughs> I, I didn't really know what to say about it. Um, it is inoffensive. It isn't one of Matt's awful, unlistenable rock picks. And it is fun a couple of times, maybe. But that's about as complimentary as I can be. I, there's nothing moved me. There's nothing particularly exciting about it. Um, it's interesting to hear Matt talk about the, their sort of previous career and stuff because I knew it was after a 10-year absence, this album, um, and it felt like maybe what they were doing is, was a bit fresher back then. Um, but yeah, this felt like a dated version of some of the music that's around today. I think albums that it made me think of from this year a little bit uh, with the Paramore album and the Dream Wife album, but they're mm. just both infinitely better and doing something a bit fresher. Um, so yeah, for me, it was entirely inoffensive, but entirely forgettable. And uh, yeah, like Sam, I, I was glad to get rid of this one quite quickly. So didn't love it, but yeah, it wasn't your worst much, pick, Matt. They stayed much more within their lane, I think. Yeah. Not everything has to be a genre-bending you put it. Yeah, music should be interesting. It has to be at right? least, like, yeah. yeah, exciting and good. Yeah. Oh, it's very <laughs> exciting and fun. Mm. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't agree there. Yeah. No. Okay, let, let's move on. Um, I'm mainly surprised that neither of you picked the album that I would definitely have picked, probably for both of those questions, which isn't yeah. isn't a good sign for me picking questions but for me, for me this playlist was absolutely all about no names sundial mm. I, I think this is the best thing on this playlist i think it's potential contender for album of the year i think it's absolutely fantastic um i think it's my favorite thing that no names done yet um it's full of thrilling verses interesting songs interesting melodies i don't think there's a dull moment on the whole album um no name, no name has such a dynamic style of rapping in and an like an honesty in her lyrics that I don't I don't know if we see it to this extent in a kind of in a in a like a in hip hop itself um, at this level she's kind of calling out the industry itself and her and herself for like hypocrisy um, on on namesake and then she's kind of her own conflicting opinions and how changeable they are. I think it's really refreshing to hear someone be so, uh, like think so much about what they're saying and be so engaging throughout it. I think like balloons, black mirror, toxic beauty supply. I think they're all highlights for me, but honestly, every moment of this album feels essential. And this is the, the hip hop album of the year so far, I think. And given we're in, October, probably going to be the best one of the year. Um, so yeah, loved it. Mm. Anyone want to join? 
I I can go. I I d- despite the fact that you you the way you laid it up, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I this I just didn't answer it because it it did it it did grab me, but there's a lot that grabbed me here um, across the whole playlist, and this but this album itself is uh, yeah it's phenomenal. Um, I think the prior album is one of my favorite albums we've covered yeah. on the podcast um, at all. And it's probably the album that I've listened to them, or at least in the top five of albums I've listened to the most over the past probably five years, maybe. That I that is a like a new artist I didn't know before that. Um, and I, I think this this album just has it has has it all. It's complex. It has uh, it has her style where she is innovative, like innovative and engaging. Um, but still kind of laid back a lot of the time. And she also managed to perfect the balance of having those features that elevate songs without uh, detracting or competing with her for the, uh, like, the, the spotlight. Um, and yeah, like you said, Namesake is, I think, also the standout because it really is the... Uh, it's the summation of the album it's all those uh things where she's analyzing herself and the industry and actually call calling out the names that she's calling out as insane yeah <laughs> but awesome um uh, i don't know if it's 100 percent fair but <laughs> but i don't think that's the point but it's yeah kind of it's just, not yeah it's yeah yeah exactly yeah um yeah, so I'd, I'll agree, and I'll also do a frown and say, yeah, this is definitely in the conversation for the best album of the year. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, all right. It sounds okay, this album. There's some okay beats, <laughs> some decent flows. There's some, some decent choruses. Um, it's Yeah, I didn't really like her last album very much. Uh, this is slightly more exciting than that. But honestly, I, I, I don't like No Name. I really struggle with her. Um, I find the lyrics at best quite annoying. Um, I think when we talked about Jay Hoos on the last episode, we talked about how juvenile he sounds yeah. when rapping about sex, but a fucking no names, boom, boom, blows that out of the water. It really is a child talking about sex. It's quite embarrassing, I thought. Um, but you talked about the hypocrisy, Sam, and I, I really struggle with how hypocritical she is. Um you know, the whole talk about how socialist she is and how left-wing she is and she's aiming shots at Beyonce and everybody for their role in the Super Bowl. And, you know, I don't object to that. I think that's okay. But, like, she calls herself out about how anti-capitalist she is and then playing at Coachella. But, yeah, there's an argument there she's calling out her own hypocrisy, but she just is hypocritical throughout this. And, it's you know, I go a bit beyond the music here. And the reason I struggle with her in this album is... She claims to be so left-wing and so socialist and she talks about how she supports these minoritized communities. And then she has Jay Electronica on the album. And when fans call her out saying he's a massive anti-Semite, she tells all the fans to fuck off um, and says that she'll have whoever she wants on her songs. But then she acts like she's this big left-wing socialist. So it's, you know, she's not the only person in rap who's contradicted, who makes those contradictions but she makes the political view such a big part of her personality and her music. And then she just com- consistently undermines them and she undermines them throughout this album. So I, yeah, it's a bit of a rant, but 
Um, I haven't really spoken about the music because I don't like the music that much either. But my overriding feeling when I listen to her is that I, I can't really get much from what she's saying because I just don't believe anything she says. So in the end, yeah, it's just not an album or an artist that I want to listen to. So I really hope it's not either of your albums of the year because we're only two episodes away from that and I'll have to listen to her again. But yeah, not for me. Um, she's just too hypocritical, even if she does call herself out for it. So yeah, can't agree. It makes me want to pick it just to, uh, just to <laughs> make you listen to it again. You're adding fuel to the fire. Yeah. Do, do you want to pick something else to talk about, Matt? Just to get Fran away from his um <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll go next. The next one in my notes, which is Genesis Oesu, uh, I think. I don't know how you pronounce it. Oesu. Um, with Struggler. Um, and again, this this another album that also grabbed me immediately. <laughs> nice. Um, I thought I That's thought a this happy was, man this episode. Yeah, I'm I'm a very happy 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 man this episode. This had a lot of the well, I think the obvious comparison, especially with the the um, starting tracks, is Young Fathers. They have mm. the the urgency and um, vibrancy and. Um, kind of drive in the songs that that kind of characteristic of young fathers um, and the way the the opening track kind of grabs you straight from the get-go um i haven't been on board with an opening track like that for for a while i feel like um but then like specifically within that track it like it has interesting shifts within it as like there's almost like a breakdown with like the foot is taken off the gas and the like the pace of the song um, but it still keeps moving forward. It keeps that momentum and it keeps you hooked. Um, and then as the album progresses, it feels like it gets kind of a little less poppier, maybe. It's a bit darker and murkier. Um, but that murkiness works. Um, I think it gains like a, almost a bit more indie rock sensibility to it as well. Mm. Um, um, and so... Um, as it as it yeah as we progress basically I, I think the um, last track specifically shot shone out to me as well stuck to the fan it had a, like a little piano in it that felt almost like the music from the Wii menu <laughs> 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 but okay. I really liked it it was kind of like this part like barely there tinkling um, and so, like all all around, I just I thought it was like wall to wall, like fun, wall to wall, interesting, um, really high pace, and that often appeals to me. Um, mm. There's a few moments that they take like he slows down, but it's it's not very often. Um, yeah, I'm sure you guys have more insightful things to say about it, but I was just like, <laughs> yeah, the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Should I jump yeah. in? You got yeah. Um, did you hear the previous one, Matt? No, um, so actually, yeah. I read the Guardian review about it, and they said that this wasn't very good compared to the previous one. So I'm going to listen to that. Okay, so I mean, it sounds like I'm I'm the Guardian today. Then, um, no, I mean, I picked this because I really liked the debut. Um, it's called Smiling with No Teeth. I think it's fantastic, and I didn't think we really talked about it at all at Picky Bastards, so I thought it would be no. a good choice for the podcast. Um, and yeah, in my notes straight away, I've talked about that album. Sounded It's the closest thing I've heard to Young Fathers outside of Young Fathers, but it also took on a bit more a bit more gangster and hardcore rap 
influence. So I, I, it was a really interesting mix of genres and it was really powerful. And I think a lot of that has come across onto this album. Uh, there's definitely still a Young Father's similarity. I think the energy is still relentless. He still mixes genres really well. And I think it's really hard to pigeonhole into one sound. I think there's elements of rap, funk, rock. And like you said, with indie rock, I think there's even a post-punk sound in the guitars towards the end, which reminded me of Ghost Poet. Um, Again, uh, another influence who who I'm also a big fan of. But I mean, this, yeah, again, I feel like I've done this with a couple today already, but I'm comparing it to the debut and it didn't have quite the same bite for me. It wasn't quite as aggressive. It also felt a bit more samey than the debut. Um, I think it doesn't, he mixes genres here, but it doesn't translate into songs that sound drastically different like it did on the first. Um, And I also think the concept of it, you know, it's all about a roach struggling against bigger powers and, you know, there's some religion and everything in there. And I think the concept makes it, makes the themes a bit samey too. Um, So I didn't like it as much as the first one, but that said, um, I think if it was the first thing I'd heard by him, I'd be really excited. Um, I think it's really interesting even when it is a bit samey, it's still different from what most other artists are doing. So, yeah, I think in the end, I thought it was really good and I really, really like him and I'm really interested in his career. But there was something that stopped me from desperately wanting to go back to it. Um, and and I might, that might just be the comparison to the debut. But I did really like it and I'll keep an eye on him because I think he's very interesting. Are you, Sam? Yeah, I, I found this kind of baffling this album um (laughs) in in a good way though i think you've both kind of touched on the fact that it's it kind of covers all sorts of genres um yes the young father's kind of comparison is obvious but it also feels like very alternative and then a lot of it sounds very like early 2000s hip-hop to me but then Mm. other bits like has a real like soulful sound but I found it hard to like figure out which bit I was connecting to. Um, there's moments like tied up that it's almost like a print song. Like it's very like classic mm. rock, which then fits in alongside all of this other music um, that feels a lot more modern. Um, and I think that makes it a really thrilling listen. Um, it's not like an immediate recommendation I would give to someone front to back, but I know mm. that, it would give someone a feeling that this is the the special music here, even if it's going to take some time to unpick it all. Um, it's really risky and, and I find it really daring at times. And I feel like he has to be applauded for that. Um, I think songs like Balthazar and Freak Boy and, and The Roach, I really like those ones. Um, I think in the end, I, I kind of ended up after going back to it so many times, I think what stopped it from being like a truly great album is that I did feel like I was comparing it a lot, each individual song to like artists that kind of do that sound, but better. Um, I feel like he's never the best artist I've heard in that genre in a while or something like that. It just feels like, as a concept of the whole album, it works really well. Um, but kind of, yeah, I, I struggled with that a bit um, because I, d- I did find sometimes individual moments would just not feel like him, um, if mm. that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's another it's another really interesting album to cover and a really interesting album to listen to. 
So, yeah. You should definitely both listen to the debut from what you're saying, though, because I think it did feel more unique as well, I think. Um, cool. And the reason it got the sort of... Which is why it's weird that we never spoke about it, because it got a lot of hype at the time, but we just seemed to miss it. But, um, yeah, listen to that, I would say. There's a lot that creeps by. Between us, though, we usually... We, there isn't that much. We usually slag off everything, but nobody slagged <laughs> that one off. So. Yeah. Who knows? Well... If if you want, do you, do you want to slag something else off, Fran? Because uh, do you want to talk about Missy Elliott? Oh, can I slag it off, Emma? Is that a guess? I mean, um, I'm I'm just kind of assuming at this point. Okay. Well, I've actually <laughs> for this is the first time I've ever done this. Um, but I've start. I've got two lists here. I've got a list of positives and a list of negatives. So it's not entirely slagging off, but I'll start with the positives. I do think some of the beats on the album are fantastic. Um, I think. We all know Work It is an absolute tune, um, and it's obviously the best song here. But, you know, I knew that song, and it was great to listen to the album as a whole and realise that there are songs on the LP that are as impressive as that. I think Go To The Floor right at the start is really good. I think the reworked version of Bring The Pain with Method Man is good. Gossip Folks is good. Back In The Day With Jay-Z is good. Um, You know, they're fun, they're funky, they're upbeat. Um, And she displays a really good variety in her voice and performance. She's just so energetic. And that's a great list of guests. You know, just mentioned Method Man, Ludacris, Jay-Z. I mean, fantastic guests on here. Um, Yeah, and what I also thought was impressive was that on a playlist that has two more, well, No Names, No Name and Genesis, which is a rap album to a degree. So it's got two more modern rap albums. I don't think these songs come across as dated as, as they could. So I think there's a lot to like here, but I do have quite a long list of negatives. Too. Um, <laughs> I think that every time she speaks instead of raps, I want to turn the record off. These little preachy skits and stuff are just horrible. Um, I think the one where she's talking about how she's telling, she's here telling the truth for women it is a bit embarrassing. And I think the main problem with that part is it comes after a song where she basically says that if a man cheats on her, it's her own fault for not looking after her vagina well enough. Um, <laughs> like a whole attitude about how you keep a man with sex and that men, men are naturally attuned to cheat. So you just need to fuck them well so they don't fuck anyone else. It's just incredibly regressive. And I know it's an old album, but like I always thought of her as quite a feminist figure. So this and like other songs that focus on just being a good woman so you can keep your man, it just really sets this record back for me. Um, yeah, so that's that's the big, big negative. The slightly less problematic negative, but a really annoying one, is the way that before every song, she says, this is a Missy Elliott exclusive. It's like, <laughs> we know, it's your album. <laughs> and actually, quite a few of the tunes aren't exclusives because Bring the Pain is a Method Man song, and she says that <laughs> at the start of that, and it's just like, it's not a Missy Elliott exclusive, so stop saying it. Um, so yeah, there was some stuff that held the album back quite far back and every time she tried to slow the album down as well you know the the slower songs are are really bland but then there was a lot to enjoy when I first listened to it I was like this is great so I think it's just the more I listened the more I heard those problems but I can't really get past the um the one about men being shaggers and we should women should just put up with it so yeah that was my final thoughts on Missy Elliott I mean I wasn't that wrong um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do think you are wrong though um, okay. and I really like this album 
Um, yeah. I, I I don't think I need a convincing of Missy Elliott's kind of ability as a rapper or like mm. her like artistic credentials as like musically or visually or but I, I've never I, I picked this just because I don't think I've like properly like dived into a full length album before of hers. Um so in my head I was never really putting her alongside those other kind of people in the genre of that era. Um and I do think this album's kind of done that for me. I I, I feel I really like how cohesive it is, like front to back. I think the beats are consistently good and they're they're consistently dynamic and fun. Um and her verses are always great. The guests feel like they're having a great time. They don't feel like they're there to kind of either show her up or to or because they have to be. It feels re- like a real collaborative effort at times. And I think it's really obvious that an album with so many big names on it, it still at every moment feels like a Missy Elliott album. She is the central figure and it is her record. And I, I feel like that's really impressive at that time because a lot of the albums of this era do end up just being this endless list of just all of the big names and they're just doing great verses. And then who's the actual person in the middle? It's, it, they kind of get lost. Um, I think Gossip Folks is amazing. Work It is obviously an all-time great song. Um, but I th- I found it was like the tracks like Back in the Day, Ain't That Funny, Funky Fresh Dressed, um, that really like hooked me this month. Um, she's got this like unique way of being able to own all of the parts of the track. Like she can really sing. And I feel like th- that she doesn't get anywhere near enough credit in terms of like the moments where she sings. Um, and I think she shines in like the more soulful moments but then completely dominates her verses elsewhere. Um, so I, I think it makes for an album that kind of proves why she is, she was one of the best at that time um, and is is one of those kind of like iconic rappers from that era. Um, so I'm really glad we did this. Matt, what do you think? Nice. I, I think I'm somewhere in between you guys. Um, I thought, yeah, she's great on this. Um, uh, work is obviously amazing. Um, but like, like Sam said, there's there's a lot of other really good tracks. Gossip Folks was the one I, I really enjoyed. Um, and I think, yeah, like Jay, Jay sounds amazing on this. Beyonce sounds amazing on this. Um, pretty much all the features sound like Luda as well. Sounds great. Um, the Beyonce one's awful, but carry on. It's it's, it's a great song. <laughs> so wrong, <laughs> so <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> the, the, so. It's just a really fun in, interplay between them in in that song, um, and bouncing backwards and forwards between them. It's yeah, it's so there's so much charisma, um, and I think the. I kind of went backwards and forwards on the interstitials. I thought it was really like interesting how kind of casual they were. They're not weird or artistic or poetic <laughs> like most interstitials are these days, where there's some some you have to get the words out, and it's like some poem from like 1950s that means something to someone, and it's very obtuse. This is just her talking. Seems like off the cuff. And it f- felt very um, personal, uh, and 
considering some of the subject matter she's talking about, it's like, yeah, it feels like appropriate. Um, and I don't think I've really heard that before for this kind of stuff, uh, this kind of like moments between songs. That said, I do 100% agree with Fran about um, Pussycat and the the the, <laughs> the into like that moment <laughs> after that because it just doesn't it doesn't match at all. It doesn't make yeah, any yeah. sense. And I feel like it's she's not the only artist we've covered that's a classic that has this thing of being like a seemingly a feminist icon but then also is saying stuff like this Mm. but maybe that's because the world has changed in the past 25 years (laughs) yeah yeah and what it means to be a radical feminist is obviously going to be quite different um but yeah i think and it's also i think the the thing that listening to this album it really transported me back to seeing her like un like unlocked memories of seeing her like do performances on TV mm. and and mm. the um what's it called the the video the music video and just like how striking she is and how it all felt bigger than what anyone else was doing at the time mm. with this kind of like visuals associated and it is like the run of the mill now with the big costumes and the choreography and everything like that it just felt she was uh yeah she was doing on a different plane to a lot of people at the time mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah it was it was cool it was cool cool album very enjoyable okay that's that's the the playlist um what do we think it was great <laughs> it was great i had a great time it was all right one of the best yeah <laughs> i mean I really like the Artsfield Girlfriend. None of the others I'll ever I'll ever listen to. I know I might listen to Genesis Arusu again. Um, yeah, it was decent. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't great. Yeah, I, I thought forgettable. I thought this was a really strong playlist this month. Um, yeah, really happy with a lot of these albums that I feel like I will go back to. Yeah, Are both of your favourites. No name then. Oh, mm. definitely. Definitely for me, probably Matt's split between about four of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could pick all of them and make an argument that it was a favorite. Okay. Wow, Jesus Christ. Fair. Wow. So, yeah, um, but we still got one left. We still got one thing yeah. left. Um, mm-hmm. And it is finally time to take you on a journey to the south, to Nashville. Um nice. Which I have never been to Nashville. I am not an expert <laughs> on Nashville, um, and I'm going to talk about Chris Stapleton. So I've I've never done a country artist on as a while up before. I, it's it's kind of been intentional because the reaction to some of the country or country adjacent albums I've picked in the past has been quite catastrophic at the time. <laughs> um, but I do I did want to try and prove you prove everyone wrong. Uh, and choose an artist that I think is one of the current best artists doing it. Um, there's a few other names I'd kind of thrown around, like Miranda Lambert, Casey Musgraves, Little Big Town. All of them could easily get a mention on a future playlist, but I wanted to pick someone who I genuinely do think is like the king of the genre and it has been at the top of the genre for the last decade. Um, 
Chris Stapleton is like he's a real traditionalist in in a musical sense because I feel like he is a musician before anything else. Um, whether that's playing guitar for other people or whether that's his almost ridiculous vocal ability, it's all about like the craft of making music, which makes his place as like one of the biggest artists in the genre of this last decade really surprising because he's not a big kind of like pop focused figure. He's not kind of really out there or really catchy tunes. And it's all about the music. And I feel like a lot of what you hear on these songs needs very little explanation. Um, It has everything that kind of, I find myself drawn to in in the genre itself. Um, And that's sort of what I also love about Chris Stapleton. There's, there's a simplicity to the songwriting here. There's like a rawness to the way the music is engineered and the way that it's all produced and the focus on the great songs performed from the real place. Um, for me, it's difficult to think of like a voice in music that I feel like has had a, as big of an impact as, that, as Chris Stapleton since his kind of breakthrough in 2015. Um I can't really mention him without talking about that performance at the CMAs, which probably even made it to general people elsewhere, um, <laughs> where he performed Tennessee Whiskey with Justin Timberlake. Uh, it kind of brought him crashing into the mainstream with this like bluesy voice that's just so undeniable and effortless. Um, and since then, like the rest of pop rock country music it everybody has been like desperate to emulate it um and you hear it in so many different artists uh now um i mean I, i've had the privilege to see him perform twice um and the first time i it was front row center at the o2 in london uh during the country to country festival i'd i'd won a front row ticket on the way to the venue to be sat at the back. Um, and I was mostly excited because I was seeing Casey Musgraves that day. Eric Church was headlining. I was really excited. But it was seeing Chris Stapleton sing eight songs from his debut album, Traveller. And I, I could, I genuinely just couldn't believe what I was kind of seeing. It was, It felt like I was seeing one of the greats, like one of the great musicians of kind of, it was like it was like seeing one like a legend when you go see them, and this is a supposed new artist. He'd been around, but um, to most people in that room, he was like a brand new artist. And it it was honestly like the highlight of any any show I'd seen in a very lo- very long time. Um, and weirdly, the on the record, I, I just don't. Sometimes it doesn't come close to capturing what he sounds like in real life. Um, and he's so intensely emotive and powerful uh, in person. Um, but I am always surprised by how close they do they do come on, on the records. Um, I think it's really impressive to capture that. Um, I've, t- I've tried to pick a mixture of songs from the albums he's had. Um, some more kind of stripped back moments. Others that are kind of a really expansive sound. Um, I've got to mention like the impact that his producer Dave Cobb has had on on how drawn to the music I am. I I feel like he's behind 
some of the best records of the last 10 years from Brandy Carlisle and Sturgill Simpson and other people like that, where I feel like he just, he truly shines when he's, he's trying to replicate that magic of a live performance and Chris Stapleton's band. Um, that is such a tight band. Um, I mean, his wife is in the band with him. They, they go on tour with their like, they have like they have loads of kids. Uh, that's one of the facts I know about them. Is that like? <laughs> I, I don't know why that doesn't I, surprise me for think, some reason. I think both times that I saw him, his wife was pregnant on stage. I was like, <laughs> but you've had like kids in between. Anyway, uh, by I think my favorite my favorite album of his is uh, from A Room Volume One. It appears a few times on here. Um, I think I was wrong is potentially my favorite song he's done. Um, without your love, second one to know. Uh, I feel like they just all show different sides to his voice. But then there's also the kind of high drama of a song like "Cold," which sort of feels more like a like an Adele ballad. Which I mean, he has he's also performed and written a few of those songs with her as well. Um, and then I think including something like Say Something, the the song with Justin Timberlake, I, th- I feel like it might be a strange inclusion. But for me, it kind of shows how his voice has kind of defined pop music in a weird way for me over the last decade. Um, his kind of collaborations with big, big artists like Pink and Ed Sheeran, Bruno Mars and people like that. He's kind of a musician's fave for a reason and he can kind of sing anything and it will it will work. Um, I have genuinely no idea <laughs> if you will have hated me all month or <laughs> at least enjoyed something. Uh, but yeah, what what do you what do you guys think? Did you want to go to Sam? Yeah, go, let's, let's get you out of the way, Fran. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, listen. Um, I know you were quite nervous about this one, and I think I think I saw you just before you put it together and you were back and forth about whether you should do this or not. So part of me really wants to sort of drag this out and prolong your agony and wind you up about it. But the reality is that this is comfortably my favorite why I love that you've ever done on the podcast. Um, Comfortably. So you're probably quite surprised at that. And I am a little bit surprised too. Um, Particularly given on my first couple of listens, I wasn't really grabbed by it. First, first few listens through the players, I thought, okay, this is kind of what I thought it would be. Um, but I think, so we were a bit delayed recording this month and I think the fact that we ended up with more time than usual with this playlist, it gave me time to, for this to grow on me. Um, and yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I thought it shouldn't really be that much of a surprise that I do like it. Cause I think a lot of the music I, I really love is country influenced and, and country adja- adjacent. And there are a couple of artists I've introduced you to that, um, are you know, country artists or have at least released a country album like Courtney Marie Andrews and the Angel Olsen album. So, mm. you know, it makes sense that I like this. Um, but most of the country influence stuff I listen to is probably leaning more to folk music than this does. Um, but I think, I think for me, what really stood out about Chris Stapleton is just how soulful he can be. Um, yeah. And I do think the soulful songs are usually my favourites. Uh, you've mentioned a couple of them. I Was Wrong and Tennessee Whiskey are examples of what I mean. My my absolute favourite, and, and actually my favourite on this whole of this month's playlist, was You Should Probably Leave. Um, I think that's a fantastic wow. song. I, I really like that. And I think he sounds amazing on it. Um, and yeah, there are moments that I like 
less. Um, I'm less into the like really country rock songs like Midnight Train, Midnight Train to Memphis, Nobody to Blame, Arkansas. That Justin Timberlake song can get in all of the bins. <laughs> um, it's, it's the real low point of this playlist. Um, and the one thing that a few of the songs did, I think that um, he can ruin an incredible verse with a bad chorus. Um, Without Your Love is the main example of that. I think the verses are stunning and then the chorus is just too cheesy. But the verses are fantastic. But look, there's a few small negatives. Really, honestly, I did really enjoy this. Um, And by the end, I think, because we were still listening to this longer than usual, I was even, I got really into White Horse. I got really into Cold. Um, You know, I'm singing along to them while I'm cooking in the kitchen. So I I got really into it. Um, So definitely a success. And and actually, it's about time that you delivered some decent country music after saying that when you started as a full-time host. I mean, you've chose some shit country music so far. So it's good that you you finally delivered. I mean, most of the stuff I've picked, I haven't known already. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. but... But that's not a full excuse. But yeah, but no, I really liked it. I really liked it. I, I find it interesting you really like you should probably leave because I feel like that's one of the least kind of bluesy songs that mm. it, it feels the most like Nashville country. Really? Like it's very um like that that's very much like a radio hit. It's one of his biggest mm. kind of um Really? Yeah, no, yeah, I love that like song. like I got really feels that song. targeted at like the Nashville audience. So yeah. But I I really like that song anyway. Yeah. I think it's the thing of well, you know, that is one of the songs. You know, I always talk about storytelling in music, and that is one of the clearest mm. sort of storyteller songs. And he is a good storyteller, so I think um, that's probably why it stood out to me. But I also just think he sat because there are times you talked about his voice, and there are times when his voice is too much for me. When he really goes for it, it it's a bit like whoa, that's overpowering. Particularly on the rocky ones that I mentioned, but on that, his voice just sounds fantastic on that song. So yeah, big fan. Cool. What do you think, Matt? Um, I I am less of a fan, <laughs> <laughs> but I did enjoy. I did. I'd say I enjoyed um a lot of different parts, and I can totally see like what you're saying. Like it was really interesting to hear you talk about it and the influence and, and that his voice has, and I can see that in like you specific specifically like U.S. pop music, and I actually really enjoyed the uh, Justin Timberlake track. Mm-hmm. Um, because it did add this extra depth to something that is maybe would have been a bit more superficial if it was just <laughs> Justin Timberlake by himself <laughs> without throwing too much shade at him. <laughs> throw, shade um, at him. throw shade at him is fine. Yeah. And, and it is, I, I think for me, this is, was really good as like starting to help me. Like obviously similar to Fran, I am naive to the genre. And so this... I feel like I'm slowly building up the map of the nuances to actually be able to see the difference in style as we cover the genre more. And that said, I did find it's like his voice sometimes was a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too croonery at points, um, a little bit too close to like a Brian Adams vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I used to love Brian uh, Adams, so there you go. That might be a clue. Pardon? I used to love Brian Adams when I was yeah. young. So maybe that's yeah, maybe that's a clue. I'm, I'm glad it's finally cracked open Fran's country uh, <laughs> uh, brain. Um, but it actually, so the one part about this playlist, I probably had the most fun listening to one of the tracks on this song. Um, and so this is my my 
a regular pick of favorite songs I listen to while biking to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the opening track, Parachute, for whatever reason, I was bike, biking and listening to it on like a very long stretch of uh, of like bike lane. And I, my brain gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden I was I thought I was like I'm on the uh like the Great Plains <laughs> riding a horse. Wow. <laughs> and then every time time it came on, I was just like having a great time, uh enjoying that um little bit of imagination that I had because of the song. Wow. So uh Parachute definitely definitely uh one of my favorite songs on on the playlist as a whole. Wow. Um yeah, well, I, was, good time. I, I was I was going to ask you, Matt, specifically, obviously, living in the US, like, had you not had any, like, connection to Chris Stapleton at all? Like, is it a name you'd heard before, at least? I've vaguely heard of it, but I'm much where I live in Brooklyn, and people don't listen to country. <laughs> That's I'm going to have much more of a connection to what I, th- I think <laughs> we're covering as the classic next. Uh, yeah, DMX, yeah. DMX. A bit more like, Brooklyn. Everyone wears DMX t-shirts where I live and is playing DMX nonstop. <laughs> so everyone. It's, not everyone. but Including Matt. It's, it's probably the artist I see on t-shirts more than any other. Wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's very much more the vibe. That said, I'm going to um, Texas the uh, in a couple of weeks' time, so maybe I'll hear it there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more likely than here in Stockport, but that's that's for sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for another episode of Picky Bastards. Um, yeah, next month we are going to be covering. Um, well, you've just heard the classic is uh, It's Dark and Hell is Hot by DMX. Um, but what albums has everyone picked? What albums have you picked, Matt? Uh, yeah, so I, I have some new releases. And so I, I, I picked Cherry Glazer with I Don't Want You Anymore. And the new Streets, the Streets album, and The Darker the Shadow, The Brighter the Light. I've picked uh, La High. La High? Hey, but hey, by Sampha, um, and cousin Gosh. by Wilco, and then Fran, you're going to be hosting. Yeah, we really just need to start picking things we can pronounce. Um, I think, but yeah, we've already said the classic is DMX. Um, what's it called? It's dark and hell is hot. It's is dark right? and hell is hot. Yeah, maybe I've written the wrong name. Right. And I, uh, no, no, you're right, you are right. And then, um, I will be talking about why i love hooray for the riffraff so i'm actually kind of doing my own country playlist next yeah there'll be some of it anyway um but yeah that's what we're doing yeah so you should all go over to the website pickybees.com which has some great stuff um you should give us a follow on twitter 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 which i'm <laughs> we're still there we're still at there picky at picky bastards and let us know what we should listen to next time because I mean we won't, but you could let us know yeah. some albums we should talk about. Well, yeah, the one after next will be the album of the year, won't it? So yeah, um, you know if you want to make some suggestions that we can ignore, feel free. Go for it. But yeah, yeah. we have been the Piggy Bastards, and we will see you 
yeah, we'll see you again soon. I've got a bow now. Bye, see you all soon. <laughs> see ya.